Okay. So, what we're looking at is the feeding of the 5,000. Anybody never heard this story? Everybody's heard it. Well, I'm going to go over it anyway. It's interesting to know that the feeding of the 5,000 was 5,000 men, which is interesting because when it really came down to it, there was probably as many as 20,000 people there between women and children. It just so happens that the gospel chose to include the men. They wouldn't have got away with that today, would they, really? <laughs> the women would have been marching somewhere as far as that goes. But this was 20,000 people. It was a crowd. A crowd of people came to Jesus. And I'm quickly going to go over just a little bit of the story. If you read John's Gospel, John's Gospel cuts to the chase of Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God and he was the Son of Man and he came to save people. That was his primary goal. He wanted to pour his life and he wanted to pour his love into them. And all the way through this gospel, that's what you get, including this story of the 5,000. And he had journeyed from Jerusalem. He'd gone through Samaria. He'd been in Galilee. He comes back to Jerusalem. He's now back in Galilee. And Galilee is the place where Jesus did his first miracle when he turned the water into wine. And uh, here he is back in Galilee. Okay, so he's with the apostles. And what the circumstances were that the apostles had been sent out. Now, I use that word apostles because when I'm reading the Gospels, it's either disciples or apostles. So I'm just calling them, I'll switch back and forward a little bit, apostles, disciples, whatever. But there was a 12 and he sent them out into the towns and into the villages, basically with authority and power to basically heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and preach the kingdom of God. And the story goes that they came back to him absolutely shattered, but buzzing, simply because, Lord, this is what happened when we were there. All the things that you sent us out to do, we were able to do. In fact, they were coming at us and drove so much so that we hadn't even had time to eat. They were exhausted. And as the story goes, you know, our Jesus is very, very human. He said, look, you need a break. You need a rest. And what he did was he took them to a solitary place. And he, he took them where they could sit down, where they could rest. It doesn't really say what he did in that solitary place. I'm presuming they were resting and chatting and getting excited and buzzing. When God moves in your life, you just want to talk about it. You just want to be able to go, man, never mind the food. Never mind the rest. This is happening. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And it's good. What happens is a crowd turn up. And if you can imagine 20,000 people. I don't, I've not been to a football match for a lot of years, but I, I was trying to kind of figure out about 20,000. Celtic or Rangers normally get double that, but I'm thinking maybe Aberdeen and Hibs would maybe get 20,000. It was a crowd of people that came to see Jesus. And when Jesus saw them, he looked at them, disciples uh, tired as they were, he basically said, let's go. These people are coming and they need ministered to. And he went down and he ministered to them. He taught them, it says, and he healed their sick and all sorts of manner of things. That's the brief condensed bit of what he did because Jesus was just amazing. No matter how you find Jesus at any time, he was always willing to go to the multitudes. So, 
the apostles came to him late in the day, I don't know the times of the day, and um, basically said to Jesus, um, the crowds are hungry, send them away to the towns and villages to go and buy bread, Lord. They're hungry, they've been here, it's terrific. We need to, what are they going to do at night? I mean, it's a solitary place. Send them to the towns and villages so that they can get some food. And Jesus' response to them was, you feed them. Now, I, I don't know, I've got this kind of vivid imagination if Jesus had said to me, you feed them. I would have thought, there's 20,000 people here, Lord. How am I going to feed them? But Jesus said it because he knew what he was going to do, and it says that he did it to test them. You know, God, God knows what goes on in our hearts, but he, uh, we don't. And sometimes when God tested people at the time, it was to show how they felt. And they said, it's going to take half a year's wages, Lord, to be able to give them a bite of bread, never mind food, etc. So how are we going to do that? And then I think the next step, so they were looking at each other and thinking, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to manage that? And then Andrew strolls up with a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Why he did that? I haven't a clue. It was like, almost like, you know, the kind of thing when you're a bit anxious or a bit uptight about things. But there's 20,000 people and you turn up with five loaves and two fish and say, well, here's what we've got, Lord. This is it, you know. I don't think I'd have bothered really at the end of the day. I wouldn't have thought about that at all. But Andrew came up and said, we've got five loaves and two fish. The great thing about that, you might feel at times in your own life you've got very, very little in your hand and you think, you know, what can we do with this? You know, God can do things in your life. He can do your life just with the little that you may have where you think, I've got nothing to offer God. And when God says, what's in your hand? Go and start to use it. He will multiply it and he will develop it and he will use it to his glory. So, what Jesus did then, it says he broke bread and it says he also broke up the fish. And again, I'm thinking, but how do you distribute to 20,000 people, Lord, you know? You put them in a basket, you hand it out, you look back in and the same bread's there and the same fish is there. But he makes the people sit down in groups of 50s. Now I was trying to work it out and I thought that would be about 400 groups they would have to sit in 50. And he says, right apostles, out you go and start feeding them. I'm presuming he put it in a basket um, so that when they went in and they fed. But everybody got fed. But not only that, there was 12 baskets that were left over when they were full to the gunnels. They were full and they collected up the baskets of what he had. Our God's a generous, wonderful, amazing God and he's an abundant provider for the people that were round about him. That's what Jesus was going to do, okay? I put a title here actually to this, so a little bit of the picture. Sorry, in the final verse after it, and its significantness, the people were so impressed they wanted to make him king. They wanted to make him king. And Jesus withdrew by himself to a solitary place. And we'll maybe look at that a little bit. Why did you do that, Jesus? This was your amazing opportunity. This is why you came. You came to reach the people of Israel. You came to reach those that were your own. And this was your chance to be king. Jesus withdrew to a place 
by himself. I don't know what Jesus was thinking about when he withdrew, but I get this impression that somewhere Jesus was sad and Jesus was disappointed because he had fed them, he had shown them amazing things, and they didn't get it. I put a title on this to try and relate it back to us. It's not just a story, guys. There's a lot more to it than that. Everything that Jesus did and everything that's written in John's Gospel is for the kingdom of God. And it's amazing. So the title I put on it for us today is, What Are You Doing Here? Or What Are We Doing Here Today? Because we've not got 20,000, but there's a little crowd here today all working out our lives, what we're doing, what we're all about. And sometimes, I don't know if you ever say to yourself, is, what am I doing here? <laughs> I've said that many times in my life. And the reason why I want to say that is because we've all got a story, or some of us have got a story about Jesus in our lives and how we came to Jesus. So I thought I would just share a little bit of mine. Because often in my journey, I've wondered, where am I? What am I doing here? So I'll give you my little bit of a story and I hope it encourages you or makes you laugh. I was 22 years of age when I got saved. 22, which was a few years ago. I won't tell you exactly how many. Martha probably will anyway, but hey. It was a long time. I got saved at the end of a long journey in my life. I didn't know that I was on a journey. Maybe a bit like the crowd. They journeyed and found Jesus at the end of the journey. But it was a long, long journey of mine. I'd been to church, raised in the Catholic church. And um, I, was, uh, I knew my catechism. In fact, I was top of the class at school with my catechism, just to let you know that. I knew all. I had been to communion. I had been to um, confirmation. I was, uh, I went and confessed uh, regularly um, before I went to church on a Sunday and had Sunday communion. I had it all in at 16. I decided I wasn't going to go to church anymore. And I, I always remember the time, and some people have heard this, but you'll hear that again. Anyway, I always remember not going to chapel and walking down the hill pretending to my parents I'd been and do you know that, um, the one you, you see where, when you used to advertise a lottery with that point and finger that says, it's you. <laughs> That's what I felt God was saying to me. It's you, you weren't at chapel this morning. You weren't there. And I felt so, so guilty. I soon got over it though. And I didn't go back. And for a time, I became an atheist, an agnostic. I met with some really interesting people and we used to have these chats and discussions about meaning of life and I was into philosophy and I was into different religions. I want to say right now, there is one God and his son is the Lord Jesus Christ. Different religions didn't answer for me. I had tried so many things, but what I was looking for was something that was going to change my life and I hadn't a clue. So I became a hippie. <laughs> that didn't answer it for me. I just became a hippie. And uh, I sort of went here and there, and I won't get into much of the details of it. But I want to say this. I was spiritually hungry without knowing it. In fact, I was starving. 
I was absolutely starving. Nothing was cracking it for me. I needed something that was going to answer the question of me and the question of what I'm doing here in the world. And hence, I put this title in here, what am I doing here, what are you doing here, which is really important. Okay. Cut to, cut to the story, I did a deal with God. I thought, how do you find God? Somebody told me about Jesus. I didn't really listen to them, but I thought, I wonder if there is a God again. So what did I do? I went to church in the middle of the week, which you need to be St. Peter to go to church in the middle of the week. But I went to church, and I always remember, now it's quite important, this is, I always remember saying, well, if there is a God, God, if you're out there anyway, then I'm sorry for my sins. I kind of recognised that if there was a God out there, I was in trouble. And that was as far as repentance goes, which is interesting. But that was as far as it goes. But the deal I did, I always remember going from there, and then one day, a couple of weeks later, after trying to be holy and do good and find God that way, it failed dismally. I did a deal with God. I said, look, if you're real God, 24-7, seven days a week, I need you in my life. It's got to be like that. I can't do life without you, God. I can't. I've tried to be good and I feel badly at that. And God said, I okay. Yes, I'll meet you at that. Because I'm a 24-7, seven day a week God. And I thought, wow. Two weeks after that, still starving, I got the lot. I got everything. I was a big, huge, empty vessel that God had listened to. And I sat there with a friend talking about Jesus and I got born again, without even knowing what born again really meant. I got born again, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I was absolutely just gone with it, really. And what I, people might say, well, that's not my story, Dennis. I know. But I was such an empty, starving vessel. God, in his grace and wisdom, poured it into me. I didn't know anything, I just got it. You know, you often hear people talking about, well, I don't agree with this, and I don't agree with that, and I think, I didn't even know about disagreeing, I just got it. And uh, I wanted everything at that moment in time that God could offer. His life was everything to me. Everything at that moment in time. Now, I add to that, I'm not Moses, <laughs> or John the Baptist, or anything even like it. Because when I look at my journey, I thought, my goodness, there's been dozens of times when I wanted to walk away from God. I didn't think God knew what he was doing in my life. And I, my faith was struggling and I had been failing. But at that moment in time, I got everything. And I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like I'd come home. Finally, I found exactly what I needed in life. I had come home I discovered this. God loved me. One of the first moments. And I wept that God could actually love me. I just couldn't believe it. That God loved me, but he did. And it changed my entire life. And there's a reason why I'm saying that. Because relating into this feeding of the 5,000 in that Jesus is always wanting to reach people, wherever they might be. 
The story we're reading about is about bread and getting fed. And the real story is about Jesus and the life he wants to give us. Don Carson, Bible scholar, said the significance of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or the 20,000 is not just that he provide or he provides food. He is the food that we need. I was thinking about when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman and he asked her for water and then he said to her, I can give you living water. And she said, all of that. And then he confronted her without getting into detail. The result was a woman who was at the well because she had to go at that time of the day because her whole village shunned her because of her way of life, ran, ran back to her village and spoke to them and said, wow, this is what this Jesus has done for me. And the village, half the village gets saved. So the people, wherever Jesus went, get touched. So we see living water. And we see that Jesus is the bread that everybody needs. So let's go back to the crowd and where they were at, because that's important. Because where are we at in our, our walk or in our lives? And I think this relates to it very well. And there's three points I want to just bring out from the whole story. Three points. And the three points are Jesus' heart is for more than a crowd. Jesus' heart moves them to compassion, and Jesus' heart is to feed the soul, all from this passage. Jesus' heart is more than a crowd. And the question is in this, why were the people there? Why had they turned up, all 20,000? Did they want to get saved? And the answer is generally no. They came because it said that the signs that Jesus did, the healings that he did, the miracles that he did, and they heard he was there and they wanted to be there. It could have been as simple as a day out. A day out. I've heard about this guy and he does all these amazing things and let's go and see him and bring the kids and bring your cousins. And by the way, I'll tell you what he does do, he heals the sick. So bring your cousins who are sick and remember this friend and this neighbour and this one will all go. And this guy, I don't know who he is, but he could heal the sick. They were there possibly because we're back in Galilee and word went out that he changes water into wine. And that's a good reason for some people. Maybe he'll do the same again. And they heard about him and they wanted to be there. Some people there maybe wanted to find out a bit more about Jesus. Who is he? Who is this guy, is he? I mean, what's he all about, you know? Is he a prophet? Because, remember, Jesus went to his own, to the Jews, who basically knew the scriptures quite well, and part of their thinking was that there's going to be a prophet similar to Moses going to come, and he's going to set us free. Maybe, said some of them, that Jesus was coming to set us free. Especially when they were under a Roman rule. Maybe Jesus was the Messiah. I've heard that bandied about, said some. No. Is he? Really? Why do you think that? Oh, we'll go anyway. Some people think he may be the Messiah. Some people believed in him, and that's why they were going, and they had 
preached or they had told them about the kingdom of God and they'd heard it and they were saying, I'm going to go there. Oh, well, we'll come too. We'll have a look. Do you think it really is something more than just somebody that heals? Maybe they were like me. Maybe there was people so desperate and so hungry, didn't realize they were on a journey or they were looking for something. And they thought, look, guys, we've tried everything. I've tried so many things. Maybe this is something that can actually change me or can make a difference to me. So there was more than a crowd, or there was a crowd with all different ideas or different thoughts about when they gathered to, to Jesus, and Jesus knew it. He knew the hearts of men. He saw the people and why they were coming, and he loved them. Second point is that Jesus' heart moved them to compassion. You know, you can't separate God. God is love, and he can't help himself, but he just loves people. The Word of God says that he sends the rains on the unrighteous as well as the righteous. God's not like us having to send the rain on some people that I know. <laughs> I wouldn't have fed them. I wouldn't have done this or done that. But Jesus loved so much that he had compassion on them and where they were. He saw their need. And he knew that he could meet their needs. And so he ministered to them. He healed their sick. He taught them. And perhaps he was trying to also show them by feeding them is that he could feed them. You know, when God has always wanted a people and he picked Abraham in the Old Testament and he said, I will make you the father of many nations if you just follow me and trust in me. Why? Because none of the nations knew God. They were fought worshipping idols and false gods. He always wanted a people, and you see the hand of God travelling through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, David, all the way right up to our wonderful Jesus coming into the world. And perhaps he wanted to show them, guys, when I took you out of Egypt, out of bondage, and everybody who's a Christian here should know that Egypt represents the bondage that we have had to sin in our lives. When I took you out of that, I was taking you to a promised land. I was taken to a land of your own. Well, I will preside over you. I will feed you. I will prosper you. I will care for you. I will give to you. He's always, always wanted a people. And perhaps he was also showing that I know the hearts of men. I know your heart. I know your heart, I know your heart. Perhaps he thought, this is going to be difficult, but I want you to trust me in it. And perhaps he was saying, look, I fed 20,000 people with a few loaves and some fish. In the desert, when Moses was leading them, he provided manna and he provided quail for them to show them, that's how easy it is for me if you love and you'll serve the living God and you'll have this wonderful relationship with him. How often do we in our lives think our Jesus is a baddie? <laughs> what are you doing, God? Have you got it in for me? I've said that a few times. I'm really glad my God can take what I sometimes get angry about when things don't work out for me 
or I was going down this road and this shouldn't have happened. And I was going through a, a kind of situation just recently in, in the same score. And you know that way when you pray and you fast and you think God's just going to wave the wand and everything's going to go wonderful for you and it doesn't. <laughs> and then you get to the stage where you claim it and nothing happens. And then you suddenly kind of think to yourself, God, do you hate me? I mean, is this what it's about? And you suddenly realise just what a self-centred, selfish person you are. And that you get involved in yourself and you think, God, how do you put up with me? Because I don't understand what you're doing, God. And God says, don't lean upon your own understanding because I know what I'm doing. And I can provide everything that you need. And that's what happened with the people of Israel. No sooner were they going through a Red Sea that he parted from them. No sooner were they getting quail and they were getting manna and they were getting food. All sorts of stuff. No sooner was that all happening than they were moaning about something else. I wish I was back in Egypt. <laughs> and they forgot that Egypt was a place of bondage and pain and sorrow and despair. How quickly we can forget that. And yet, Jesus still had compassion on them. Do we know the compassion of Jesus in our own life? Do we believe that he loves us and he is compassionate? Do we know that he cares for your needs? Yeah. Do they know that he knows what he can do with your life? Do you know that he knew why he made you and created you? Do you trust him with it? Do we really? What are we doing here? We've got, sometimes we've got our God and then we've got us. <laughs> and what we want. Do we trust him totally with our lives and what he's doing and what he can give us and that he actually really does love us? How many times in my Christian life God's provided for me and how many times have I forgotten that he's done it? I, I was out this morning and I'm not trying to be more spiritual than I am but I was out this morning with my dog praying <laughs> and in between throwing a ball, trying to keep him busy, I was sort of praying. And I was remembering some of the times that God actually did speak to me over the years. Little simple things. Little wee gems. Um, showing how much he cared for me. Sometimes when I really felt burdened, he would come in and just say something. I wish he'd say it more often. Do you not feel that? If you just talk to me, God, and explain it to me, I'll be fine. And God says, no, I want you to trust me. And I want you to have faith in me. I'll speak to you when I need to speak to you. Many here in this place will have stories where God met their needs. And I'll tell you, it's a really good thing sometimes that you remember them. Say them to yourself. I remember when God did this, how easily we can forget and we find our faith struggle or we find ourselves lukewarm or even cold towards what's happening in our lives. But it was more than that. It was more than this crowd and it was more than compassion because Jesus' heart is to feed our soul. He knew that the peoples needed him. Why? Because he was the living bread. You know, it says in the word of God, man doesn't live by bread alone, but we live by Jesus, who's the bread of life. I need the bread of life more than I need my dinner. Let me put it that way or all the other things that I want in life. He was the bread of life, and he knew that. His heart is to feed the soul. He wanted their hearts more than anything else. 
Jesus came to get people's hearts and lives. In his compassion, he provided. In his compassion, he was trying to show our hard hearts how much he loves us. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew 4 and 4, and Satan whispered in his ear, Jesus said, Satan said, you're hungry. Turn the stones into bread. And Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't live by bread alone. He'd been not eating for 40 days. You would have thought, boof, I'll just do that. I'll just turn them into bread and whatever else, because I can do it. But no, I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I have faith in my father. He knows what he's doing. Later, Jason, uh, Satan left him, and the angels came and ministered to him. It's as easy as that for God. He knows how far you can go in your life and what you can take, and then he'll come and he'll minister to you. Because he knows exactly what you need. His heart is to feed our soul. You know, the crowd will get hungry again. Even after they ate the fill. Even they would get hungry again. Okay, that was lunch. What are we getting for dinner? <laughs> Jesus was trying to teach them more than that. That you don't live by bread. And you don't live by what you want in life. And you don't live by what you desire in life. You live by every word that proceeds. And that's why in Matthew 6, 25, it says, don't worry about your life, by the way. Don't worry about that. I've got that. I can handle that. What you will eat or drink or your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Moment by moment, day by day, that's you seeking the kingdom of God. Not just the huge big areas of your life, well, yeah, it's everything that you find yourself striving, you find yourself desiring, you find yourself wanting to go down a road or maybe just um, to lie or to get tempted in another area. And every one of this crowd faces that as much as anyone else. But Jesus said, look, seek my kingdom moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour. Make the kingdom of God first in your life and I'll provide for you. I'll give to you. I know what you need. And if I have to send manna into your back garden, I'll send that when you get up to take the dog out in the morning. There'll be manna for you because I know how to provide for you. That's our God. So it was more than his compassion. It was more than the, the people coming. He was trying to say to them, I can give to you exactly what you need. So... What are we feeding on and what are we doing here is the big kind of question I wanted to kind of throw out so that inside myself and yourself and think, where am I with you? What am I doing here and what am I all about? The crowd, what did they do? They missed it completely. <laughs> Twelve baskets of leftovers. The talk was he's done it with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. How did he do it? Amazing. Let's make him king. <laughs> Let's make him king. They missed it completely. And the reason why they wanted to make him king, because they were kind of thinking, is he the prophet like Moses that's going to come? And guess what? Moses, well, he soon knew how to sort out enemies when they came at him. He'll do that as well. Maybe if we make him king, and if he can do that, 
Maybe he'll raise up a heavenly army and kick the Romans out and we will have our land back. That was a lot of the thinking that was going on, but they missed, they missed what Jesus was about. No wonder Jesus said, I'm going up to a quiet place here. <laughs> Why am I going up? They're not getting it. You know, we broke God's heart so many times, it's incredible. Jesus was trying to reach them and say, it's not about making me king. Now, if that had been me, I would have been absolutely. <laughs> I'll be king. That's great. This is what I've been really looking for all the time. Kingdom of God is almost the opposite of what you and I want, you know. Almost the, He went away. <laughs> My imagination says the apostles would be pulling their hair out thinking, Jesus, this is what it's about. James and John, who said, can we sit at your right hand in the kingdom? They'd probably be looking at each other and think, this was our opportunity. This was it, God. Jesus thought, I've got to go away from here. You can't make me king. This is not what my father wants. You can't make me king. And the other thing is, you don't get it. You don't understand what I'm all about. The kingdom of God is very different from the kingdom of this world. They missed it. Do you know, the same people who wanted him to make him king later on, and I won't get into it too much, left him because he didn't fit in with their expectations and their agenda. You know, some people came because he provided food. Now, I reckon a lot of the people there didn't have an awful lot, and they thought, oh, maybe it's another way we're going to get food permanently without having to toil for it all the time. I'm sure there was people thinking along the lines, if he can provide food, he can do this, he can do that, he can do the next thing. The same people later on left him, turned their back on him. And I won't get into it because somebody will be speaking on it probably next week. But the reality was when he told them who he was, when he shared with them that he was the bread of life, when he came and he met them where they were, it's not about this, it's about me, who I am and what I did. They turned their back. Oh, we're not listening to this. This is nonsense. He, this guy. We thought he was at least a prophet, a teacher, or a warrior, or he could provide or do that. Son of God, boom. Every time that Jesus said who he was, he was met with aggression and confrontation. And in fact, and this is a, some of his disciples left. Not the apostles as such, but the disciples who had been following because they believed he was the Messiah. This is too much. Or did they believe he was the Messiah? Because when you read through the Gospels and you read their understanding of who he was, you think they don't really get it either. But some of them thought, this is too much. What do you want, my life? Yeah. You, you, you want me? What, what, what about this? What about that? I mean, I want to do this. I want to do that. Give me your life. Seek first the kingdom and I'll provide for you. Interesting in verse 68. I mean, Peter made a few mistakes with God. But in verse 68, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Peter, they're leaving. Are you going to leave? Are you departing? Because maybe you don't understand why I'm doing this, or you don't really get it, and he didn't. None of them did. And he, Peter was probably sitting thinking, I don't get it either. And he says, so are you going to leave? He said, No. Who else has got the words of eternal life? I'm in it. Who else? And we see later on that Peter kind of blew it, so he didn't get it, but he just knew that where he started with this Jesus, that Jesus was different 
And his faith said, you've got the words of eternal life, Lord. I'm sticking with you. That's a, an encouragement for us today to be able just to say to Jesus, I don't know what's going on in my life, Lord. I don't know what you're doing at times. I don't fully understand why this happens or that happens, but you have the words of eternal life. I'm going to follow you anyway. And he did, as did some of the others as well who came in it because they found that only Jesus can satisfy. Amen. You have the words. So the last thing I want to say is this, that where are we in our faith? Does God have our hearts? Or have we, our hearts became just a little bit less soft or a little bit turning away because things haven't worked out for us the way exactly we thought they would? Or do we stay with Jesus when he's doing what we want or providing what he wants or when it suits us? You know, our hearts can become hard and cold at times, and especially when there's times of difficulty or troubles, and we find ourselves somewhere we can just feel like turning away or just go through the motions because we've always went to church and we've always just done these things. You know, it's funny how he says to the Pharisees, the religious people, these people worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are from me. Heaven forbid that my heart's not for you, Jesus. They were the people who basically thought they were religious. They kind of knew their scriptures well. Sometimes we as Christians can think, well, I know the word, you know. I know Jesus, but our hearts have slipped away from him. Sometimes we just need to be like Peter and trust in Jesus and trust that he knows what we need and trust him in it. Let's pray.